I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught! Incredible play by Donald! He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to talk 2021 draft with our friend from the Badlands feed, featuring great content with himself and Joe Caparoso, as well as Bleacher Report. This is where he makes his living. This is his area of expertise. Of course, talking about Connor Rogers, we're going to do the 2021 NFL Draft Stock Report. Connor, thanks so much for coming on. As always, appreciate it. How was your Thanksgiving, man? Of course, Scott. Always good to talk to you. Thanksgiving was good. Low-key this year, right? Different world we're living in. Um, you know, it was actually nice and relaxing. We got to watch, what, two football games this year? And mm-hmm. uh, ironically, the the third one of that just happened <laughs> this week. So it's <laughs> kind of crazy. Uh, that's life in the NFL right now. But things are good. Uh, full steam ahead towards the draft, which I, I could say that almost any day of the year, but especially now that we're officially in December. Plenty of great draft content over this past weekend, too, at a variety of different positions. But let's start a quarterback. Everybody is aware that Trevor Lawrence played for the first time in a month, and it's like he never left. He was absolutely spectacular in the game on Saturday. Trask was really good, too, and it's funny because our friend Clayton Smarslock, he's a big Florida Gators fan, and I said to him, I find it harder and harder to believe that Trask isn't going to go in the first round with these performances he keeps putting on, and his exact words to me were, I'm a huge Florida fan, and even I'm still not sure about it, so I'm curious to see what you think in terms of how his stock may have moved over the weekend. And then, of course, we know that Justin Fields had his game postponed, so nothing going on there. Mac Jones had another good game for Alabama. Talk to me about the stock with these quarterbacks. There's no question that Trevor Lawrence is locked in at number one right now, but he still showed you why there's immense upside there, even possibly beyond what a lot of people think. And then tell me about some of these other quarterbacks and what you saw on Saturday. Right. It felt like a lot of the same, right? You have Trevor Lawrence come out and he does things that number one overall picks do or future number one overall picks they do. I think when you you look at him, the arm strength, I think what was good about last weekend, Scott, is that you actually got to see him throw while under pressure quite a few times, which is, you know, people complain about that sometimes with a top quarterback or I know they do it with Justin Fields. 
Uh, I've had people do it when I post a, a clip of Trevor Lawrence. So I think there's a lot of examples on tape of, of him throwing under pressure. He understands, you know, soft spots in the zone. He understands which guys have favorable matchups and man coverage. He has a really good rapport with uh, Amari Rogers, who's been there for a couple of years now. So that's, you know, this, let's not forget before the season started, he lost his number one wide receiver in Justin Ross, a player that was projected to be a first round pick uh, due to a significant, you know, potentially career threatening kind of injury. I know Justin Ross is, you know, is working his way back now, but he he's not going to play this year. So Trevor Lawrence in, in his own way has had to deal with some adversity for that Clemson team. And, you know, other guys have stepped out. Travis Etienne, the best running back, or him or Najee Harris, the best running backs in college football or, or draft-ready running backs. So I think with Lawrence, you've seen the arm strength. You've seen the accuracy. I think he sees things very well before the snap, which is an, uh, an underrated aspect of his game. Everybody gets wowed by Oh, he's six foot six. He runs very well. He's strong arm. He's accurate. He, you know, his pocket presence is very good. All those things are great, but I think he's also an extremely smart quarterback and that's impressive for such a young guy. And it's funny. We, we forget how young he is just because he's been a starter for three years now. But when it look, you know, when you look at it, he's, he's just, he's pro ready in a sense of that. Um, I think he'll interview very well, obviously, although it might not matter because he's going number one overall. So, you know, teams might be that aren't picking number one might be wasting their times, but you, you see it all with Trevor Lawrence, the complete package. And, and I think that is something uh, that Jets fans right now are very excited about, quite frankly. And then you ask about the other guys and why I say it's more of the same. Well, you know, listen, Justin Fields is still projected to be the number two overall pick. You have risers like Zach Wilson. Uh, you have somebody like Trey Lance that I still really, really like and who isn't playing college football right now. He's training for the NFL draft because North Dakota State only had one game this year, a showcase game. So, you know, you look at Kyle Trask, and I think it's interesting. I think you bring up an interesting topic, Scott. You know, with the way he's been playing this year, how does he not find his way into round one? And I think it comes down to just everybody's preferences. There are scouts that – We'll look at Kyle Trask, and he just he won't check all the boxes for them, right? Whether it's the athleticism, whether it's the, you know, what I, what I think is it's probably an average arm, definitely an NFL arm. Let's not get it mixed up. But is he on the same scale as a guy like Trevor Lawrence? No, and that's not necessarily fair, but it's something that you know a point that you have to. It's going to be talked about. So I think the overall physical aspects of his game are, are not the typical player that you find in round one. Now, he does a lot of things really well, right? I've talked about this with you in the past. The pocket presence this year has taken a huge leap. Uh, that's very, very important. He seems to really understand touch at all three levels of the field and timing with guys like Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney, who are just having tremendous breakout years in that Florida offense. Uh, you can make an argument for round one for either of those guys right now, I think. So, sure, Trask is going to be someone that is, could be in the end around one conversation. As I've said to you before, he will be a day two quarterback prospect for me um, because he does lack some of those physical tools that, that I, you know, would I would need for it to be around one grade. Now, is he a guy that can play out of structure at the NFL level? I think that's going to be a question people have. I think he can come in and execute an offense. I think if there's a good line, if everything's really good around him, kind of like we've seen with Kirk Cousins in the past, you know, he's somebody, and I don't think he's, I don't want to compare him to Kirk Cousins. I'm just saying Kirk Cousins is somebody that really needs things to be good around him. Jimmy Garoppolo needs things to be good around him. And, and those guys can play at a top 12 level when things are like that. That's kind of the situation for Trask uh, for me right now. So a lot of it will depend on how he interviews his board work, you know, what kind of football IQ he has, what kind of character and leadership traits and intangibles he shows and if those things, you know, blow someone away, they might come back into round one for him. They might take him at the end of round one. That that's where that conversation starts. We've seen that in the past. I mean, I mean, come on, Scott. We've seen Paxton Lynch find his way into round one, and he was nowhere near being an NFL player. I mean, Kyle Trask is a better prospect than Paxton Lynch was. So these things happen. Jordan Love, you know, he was a very raw player. There's a lot of tools now. Very different player, a toolsy player. But he found his way in round one. So quarterbacks that typically you wouldn't think of as your first round pick kind of players, they find their way into the back end of round one. And, and I think Trask is making it a difficult decision for some teams. So it's good for him to have that kind of 
what I assume is going to be his final college football season as he is expected to be at the Senior Bowl. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Connor, wide receiver is going to be a very interesting position for the Jets in the 2021 draft. I fully expect them to go wide out some point within the first three rounds. And it's going to be fascinating because you can make a case that the two best wide receivers in this draft are not playing right now. One of them is Jamar Chase, who opted out for coronavirus concerns, the receiver from LSU. The other is Jalen Waddell, the receiver from Alabama, who ended up getting injured. So I want to see where he ends up going. I think if he hadn't gotten hurt, he might have had top 10 potential. Unfortunately, he did get hurt. And that's the risk that we assume when we play football, Connor. We know that. It's a violent game. Jalen Waddle, unfortunately, may see his stock tumble a little bit, but at least it wasn't the fault of anybody else. There wasn't any negligence involved. It was just your garden variety football injury. But if you've gotten hurt due to somebody else's negligence, you want to make sure that you get made whole because it can be a life-changing event. And when something like that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call your legal team anytime you want. You don't want your file to be on a shelf with hundreds of other people, and you absolutely do not want lawyers that are afraid to go to court. But here's what you do want. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi. They give every client their personal cell phone number to call 24-7. They limit the number of clients they represent at one time so they can give you adequate personal attention. They've got a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court. And here's the most important part. They have a long track record of winning. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Learn more about them by going to nylegalteam.com. That's nylegalteam.com. And Connor, like I said, Jalen Wallow unfortunately hurt, so he has not been playing. We can't talk about what he did this past Saturday, but his teammate, on the other hand, Devontae Smith, is somebody who had a huge game in the Iron Bowl. He's another guy that could very well go in the first round. I think he helped his stock a lot this past weekend. Tell me about him and how some of the other wide receivers that are going to be in this draft helped and hurt their stock over the weekend. Yeah, I think when you talk about Smith, right, I said it after the weekend. He's around one player for me, and he's been around one player for me. The reason I'm so far along on a guy like Devonta Smith already is that I thought he would come out last year because I would have had him in the first round last year. And I I probably would have had him maybe ahead of Henry Ruggs, honestly, in the grading scale. So I'm very high on the player. I I think he's an interesting one, right? Because the Alabama offense absolutely uh, enhances, I think, numbers at times where 
you know, some of Smith's extreme numbers can come on drag routes. They can come on screens. They can come on pitch passes. But the work he does as a receiver, tracking the ball, catching the ball, is phenomenal. And when I say that, I mean he has some of the strongest hands in the draft. He sees the ball as well as anyone down the field. And I think when you look at it, he, he's somebody that people aren't, once again, aren't wowed in terms of physical tools. And I think they're a little off. I think he's a 4-4-2 kind of guy, and that is fast at the NFL level. Let's make that very clear. I know we live in the world where everybody has the jaw-dropping or the eyes on a 4-3. A 4-4 to a 4-4-5 is flying. And Smith, I think, has that speed. And I think when you look at it, he has one of the highest floors of any receiver in this draft, and that's why I'm so high on him in the sense that he does the little things very well where he knows how to get open, especially against zone. He catches everything, and once again, he tracks the ball so well, and he high points the ball very well for a guy that is only about six foot, 175 pounds. Now, I think that weight's going to go up. But he, he plays like a 200-pound player, right? He's a physical guy. So you don't really worry about the weight that much. So I like him at the end of round one. Now, the problem for Smith is that there's a lot of guys that are, are going to be ahead of him. That's another really good wide receiver class. You talked about Jamar Chase. Talk about Jalen Waddell. Those guys are the clear cuts, you know, one and two uh, for me in this group. I like Rashad Bateman a lot in the middle to the end of round one. I've compared him to Keenan Allen. I really think Chris Olave is somebody that's going to be a, tr- a terrific NFL wide receiver. I compared him to Robert Woods. So there's a lot of talent in this draft. And, you know, there's Rondell Moore. There's Kadarius Toney. Those are the smaller guys uh, that have round one ability. I don't know if they'll end up in round one or graded as round one players, but they possess round one ability. Tony being this one-year breakout more being somebody that had a phenomenal first year and has kind of been banged up since. So kind of turning into a bit of a mystery player. And then you have Elijah Moore, uh, maybe the best, one of the best slots in the country for Ole Miss. He's been tremendous this year. You know, Seth Williams on Auburn, a big body target there. Are, I could do this all day. I mean, there are a lot of wide receiver names in this class that are very, very impressive players. I talked about Amari Rogers earlier from Clemson. Uh, he might be around four or five kind of guy that ends up playing in the NFL for eight years. You know, it's, it's that's how deep this draft is at wide receiver where it, these guys are, we've known about this class for a while. Um, you know, Smith would be the, the big, I guess the big stock up guy uh, from the weekend. Although you look at it and you go, man, he's, he's kind of done this the last two years consistently. So you know, I, I'm a really big fan of this wide receiver class. And I've told people before, I think it, it could be every bit as good as last year's. And it has a little bit more superstar talent at the top. I think Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell uh, would grade out higher than the guys in last year's class. CeeDee Lamb might, was probably in that conversation, too. That's how high I was on CeeDee Lamb. He would be in that conversation with them. But besides that, you know, this is a really good group. And, you know, fortunate for the Jets because they need to add at least one or two bodies into that room. You know, we love what we see from Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder. We don't know if he's going to be here next year, but you know he's a reliable starter in the slot. But after that, it's question mark across the board. So I think you look at it and you go, okay, well, you know, you can go get a starter on day two like they did last year. They did that with Mims. I don't know if I want to roll the dice like that. I kind of sit there at the end of round one with the Seattle pick and go, man, can I get a Rashad Bateman here, a guy that's going to start in the NFL for the next 10 years, Uh, you know, uh, that's uh, it's interesting. It's, I think Joe Douglas will wait till day two, but they have another very interesting wide receiver draft ahead of them. At running back, they are also going to need to add at least one body into the room, maybe not multiple like they do at wide receiver, because Michael P. Ryan seems to be a complimentary back, not necessarily a guy that's built to take the lion's share of the carries. We know Frank Gore is not going to be here next year, so someone needs to be added. One guy whose stock went up this past week and who's threatening the NCAA record for rushing is Jarrett Patterson from the University of Buffalo. And I'm not just saying that because we're both friends with Corey Griffin and he loves it when we mention the University of Buffalo. He's somebody that could be interesting. I was wondering what your thoughts are on where he could go in the draft, at least based on what he's done to this point. And who are some other running backs who may have helped and hurt themselves on Saturday? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought him up, right? You look at Patterson, the 400-yard game, eight touchdowns this weekend. Let's not forget, you know, shortly before that, they played Bowling Green, and he had 300 yards and four touchdowns. So it makes you wonder, is he going to have 500 yards and and 10 touchdowns in his (laughs) next game with the pace he's on climbing? He's been a phenomenal this year. Uh, The vision and burst is what excites me there. 5'9", 195 pounds. He's, He's probably playing at 190, honestly, and it's the kind of frame he has where he projects as that third down change of pace runner at the next level I think he'll go in the fourth or fifth maybe sixth round it depends you know the testing times with him because it's hard to get a gauge on what that athleticism is when you're playing in the MAC and it's no insult to the MAC I probably watched that conference more than almost any uh, non-power five conference in college football I and he had 1800 rushing yards in 2019 so you know let's not act like this is a one-year wonder either you, you know, he's somebody that teams are going to want to make sure he can adequately catch the ball. I, I don't, you know, they're going to have questions about pass protection. That's why I sit there and go, you know, can he be a third down back long-term? Because you like that. You like the idea of that. And I think once again, I, I think he can develop the tools to carve into that role. But right now a change of pace runner, uh, somebody that once again, I, I think the vision is really, really good where he can come in and, and be a factor. And I think that, you like the burst and the light feet that he's shown. And I think he's shown that he can get yards after contact, which is really vital for transitioning to the NFL. So a nice weekend for uh, Jared Patterson, not just a nice weekend, honestly, a really marvelous two year stretch that he's on right now. The other one is, is saying a little bit of the obvious, but I mean, when you have that kind of performance in the iron bowl, I have to give it to you. And Ajay Harris is just my guy here. I mean, you know, 11 carries almost a hundred yards, almost nine yards a carry a touchdown, a, a beautiful um, jump cut, you know, uh, where he just – he took it to the house. And the, the burst and acceleration at six foot two, 230 pounds is special stuff. And I don't say that lightly. It's really special stuff. If somebody takes Najee Harris at the end of round one uh, that can afford to take a running back in round one, I will not crush that pick. I think he's that good. I really do. Because he's he's that good in all three aspects of playing the position. He's a, he's a great runner. He's a great pass catcher. He's really another receiver out there, and he's really strong in pass protection. So Najee Harris, kind of that guy that it seems like every week you could say that about him. But and what he showed in the Iron Bowl, uh, I think Najee Harris could suit up for an NFL team this weekend and run for 100 yards. I, I think he's that good. He's that pro ready. And I know I'm personally very, very excited to follow the rest of his career because I, I've had eyes on him since he was at Antioch in high school uh, when he was a, a, a basically a legendary high school running back. And he has lived up to every bit of the hype at the college level. Connor, on the offensive line, we know that the Jets need some help on the interior, but also they could use another tackle because George Fant has been fine this year, but I don't know that he's necessarily the long-term answer, and he has had some injuries. And one guy who I thought really helped his stock this past weekend was Rasheed Walker from Penn State. He gave up one pressure to Quiddy Pay, who we were talking about the last time you were on, who's been incredibly impressive this season. But other than that, he held up very well. Curious where he may fall and who are some other offensive linemen who are on your radar helping and hurting themselves from this past weekend? Yeah, he's an interesting one, right? Because he's only a redshirt sophomore. So it's not somebody that you put on the summer list because, quite frankly, he hadn't played yet. You know, I mean, I know he had started at left tackle as a redshirt freshman, but he hadn't played in a year where he was eligible. So I think when you look at it, you go, okay, this is the first year where he's playing that he's eligible to declare. So if he plays at a high level, Maybe he does go early. Now, it's it's a bit of a surprise when guys leave as a redshirt sophomore. But the good news for him is that, once again, he had a full season starting in 2019. And now he's getting, you know, he's returning to his left tackle spot this year. And, and putting up that kind of performance against Quiddy Pay will be eye-opening to scouts. So I think when you look at it, you love the measurement, right? Six foot six. The frame will get bigger. He's 310 pounds. He could probably play a 320. Uh, the length is definitely there. You know, when you wipe pay off the board, it's funny you brought this up, Scott, because at on Mondays I usually try to dive into, uh, you know, film, a lot of film, or even Sundays. And, and I kind of formed this habit this year where I always check on what Quiddy Pay did. I always check on what Azizo Jullari did. And I usually check on the Penn State duo as well. 
And when I went to check on pay, I was like, wow, this is, this is not common. He really, he, there's just not really much going on with him. He was wiped off the board and not just the stat sheet, but the disruption levels as well. So with that being said, it's, it's a good performance. Now, this is where you kind of sit and wait and try to find out what's his plan, right? Because, you know, I've evaluated a lot of tackles in this class, but a redshirt sophomore that has had one year of starting, you know, this is where risers come out of nowhere. And this could absolutely be one because we know Penny Sewell is a great tackle in this class. We know Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. It's a really good tackle in this class. I really like um, Jalen Mayfield, you know, on Michigan. There's a lot of guys, the guards, Trey Smith, Wyatt Davis. I mean, the list goes on and on. This is a pretty good O-line class, but there, there's no reason with the expectations of the kind of player Walker uh, is developing into rapidly that he can't find his way into the mix. So we'll see where, you know, his his decision for his future lies, and then we'll evaluate from there. And and he has all the tools at tackle to to be one of the biggest risers. So, you know, it's it's a tackle class that I think the Jets are going to be very active in. I, I really do. I think there's, you know, you have a Christian Darisaw from Virginia Tech that is a big kind of raw but really athletic player and you know a lot of people said those words about Makai Becton uh, a year ago and you see how that turns out now he is not Makai Becton but once again you know when you're that big and you move like that you're going to catch the eyes of scouts so it's a good year to need a tackle you know there might not be superstars three rounds deep and that's not the case really for any position group very often but uh, there's a lot of I, I could see this being a year where we have five tackles go in the first round quite easily on the front seven the Jets don't really need much help in interior defensive line it's the biggest strength they've got on the team right now but they could use linebackers both inside and out particularly at edge Nick Neiman from Iowa had a big game in front of a pretty big audience this past weekend. I thought he was excellent, was all over the place, 12 tackles against Nebraska. And then you take a look at an interesting player like Garrett Crawl from Wyoming. He missed every game this year due to injuries and the virus. But then he comes back this week and has a really nice game. He's not the biggest guy, but he could be somebody that maybe late in the draft you could snag as a situational edge rusher. I think he helped himself this past weekend talk to me about those guys and who else helped and hurt themselves in week 13 of college football yeah and it's been a weird season right where you're getting games canceled you're getting these flash in the pan performances you know when you look at neiman obviously a tackling machine i think it's hard for me to you know think the jets can spend real assets on an off-ball linebacker this year and there's a lot of good ones in this class micah parsons will be the prize um, Jeremiah Owusu from Notre Dame is somebody that has tons of athleticism and versatility. Zaven Collins, just an absolute freak athlete for Tulane. Nick Bolton, really, really impressive player. Chas Surratt from UNC. You know, those are the names that you want to focus on right now at the off-ball linebacker spot. But for me, it's all about the edge group for the New York Jets. And, and I think, like I said earlier, Aziz Ojulari from Georgia, Quiddy Pay. You know, those are some household names, uh, you know, on the edge group. But you got, you know, Joseph Asai from Texas. You have Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips from Miami. You have the Penn State guys and Jason Owa and Chaka Tony and, and Carlos Basham, you know, in the ACC. So when you look at it, there's a lot of good edge players um, in this class, I think. And I think it's one that's growing. You know, it's – I kind of look at it um, – you know, as a group that I came into the summer with and, and I, I said, hey, you know, don't really see this as a standout group. Gregory Rousseau is not playing this year. And then he's, he's not even like a true edge. He's played a lot of interior. So, you know, who's going to rise? And all of those guys really have. And it's turned into a really, really strong group. And it's it's been exciting to watch them develop. And I think a lot of them will declare. A couple of them are seniors. Uh, you know, and then I've been tapping into – some new names in the edge class. You know, you look at uh, Zion Tupaola Fatui on Washington. He leads the nation in sacks right now at seven, and he's only played three games. And it goes back to the conversation I had with you earlier about redshirt sophomores. You, you don't watch them over the summer unless somebody really gives you a tip to say, please watch this guy. He was the best freshman I've ever seen. And because you don't expect him to declare, but I mean, if, 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 
you know, Tupuola Fatui finishes with 15 sacks, he's going to have to have a hard conversation where it's like, is it the time to go? You know, Brenton Cox Jr. from Florida, the transfer from Georgia, he's really figuring it out. Uh, a great outside, you know, outside rusher that has turned it on the last couple of weeks with some sacks. So, you know, uh, Majai Sanders from Cincinnati is another. I mean, this is a long list of edge players that, I, that I've been watching that is growing because there's a lot of breakout players. And I think when you look at it, that's the group that the New York Jets need to focus on because I think they can get by, you know, with the Harvey Lange, who's played very well at linebacker. C.J. Mosley will be back. I, you know, do you want Neville Hewitt starting? No, but – I don't think you need to use real premium draft capital at an off-ball linebacker, but I think you need to be all over that edge group. And I, I listed off a lot of names there. It's probably 10 to 12 guys I just said. But the good news is the reason I'm talking about them in December before we even get declarations is that there's a lot of good pass rushers that'll go in the top 100 where the Jets have a million picks and they can solve this. I think they need more than one, by the way. I mean, you know, and maybe you go get one in free agency. They never do. So I'm not putting my eggs in that basket. They never, ever do. But, you know, we haven't really seen Jabari Zuniga this year. Jordan Jenkins will hit free agency. I don't really see why they'd bring him back. He's had a, he's had a tough year. You know, Terrell Basham is what he is. You know, Bryce Huff has had flashes. But I think they could use two edge bodies in this group. And I, I think one of those picks has to be in the top three rounds. And, you know, I said it about wide receiver. I said it about offensive line. I don't, I don't mean to say this about every position group. But I do think it's a good year to, to find an edge rusher. I really, It's a good draft class. If you're not getting that by now, when I come on these shows at Scott and do the draft <laughs> stock watch, I think it's strong at quarterback. I think it's a little top-heavy at running back. I think it's very strong at wide receiver. I think it's strong at offensive tackle and edge. And there's it's a little top-heavy at corner. You know, I haven't seen a, a deep group at safety, off-ball linebacker. Defensive line on the interior is brutal this year. I have not seen much from there. Um, you know, but that it's a strong, it's a strong class. And most importantly, it feels like it's a strong class at a lot of key areas of need for the New York Jets. One of the key areas of need for the New York Jets is going to be defensive back, most specifically corner, but they could obviously use help everywhere. Two guys that I think are interesting, largely because not only are they good players, but their fathers both were rivals of the Jets during their heyday. One of them, Patrick Sertan Jr. at Alabama. We saw him play in the Iron Bowl. The other, Asante Samuel Jr. at Florida State, who just opted out for the season. Tell me about where their stock is right now. Do you think Asante Samuel Jr. has a chance to go on day one or early day two? And who else helped and hurt themselves in week 13 of college football? Yeah, so I mean, let's be let's start off with the first question. Samuel Jr. absolutely is in day two for me, and you know it's kind of funny. Like he's a little undersized, but he kind of plays like his father in a way, where uh, a good nose for the ball can really read things in front of him, can really read the eyes of a quarterback, and can make a big play. Now he'll get knocked a little bit for for size, I think, and that just happens to corners every single year and it's a tough year because these corners are actually really really big in this class right it's you're looking at the top guys Caleb Farley is six foot two Sertan who is playing incredibly this year quite frankly is six foot two you know and maybe they come in at six one but that's still big for a corner JC Horn is six foot one you know, this is even Sean Wade, who has not been good this year, but came in as a projected first rounder. He, he's he's a bigger corner as well. So, you know, Samuel Jr. is about 5'10", 185. And, and that's his listed. He could measure in smaller, but he's somebody to me that can thrive in the slot, that you can handle a lot of different roles, and that has a good nose for playing the football in the air. And I think he's probably going to go in the third round. And I'm very curious to see, you know, how early he can rise because uh, I do think he'll test very well. Now, you bring up Sertan, and I mean, if you're looking for somebody that kind of checks the box of what you need at a modern corner, this is the guy. He's got the length. He's got the physicality. Uh, I think he's pretty sticky in coverage. Now, I, I don't necessarily think he'll be – 
you know, valued like Jeff Akuda was last year, where we're going to get a corner taken in the top three picks. But I think him and Caleb Farley are going to make themselves in the conversation for the top 10, top 12 picks. And I think that they're pretty scheme versatile. I think that, you know, that's pretty that's pretty important for a corner. And I think that it's it's kind of funny. Number one, we're talking about guys that, you know, we watch their dads play. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy when you think about it like that. Um, you know, and, and these guys are legitimate. They are not just getting publicity because of who their fathers were. And let's not forget in this group is J.C. Horn, who is Joe Horn's kid. So the list of, uh, you know, NFL stars that have kids at cornerback that can go in the top two rounds in this class are, it's pretty long. It's pretty long. So Sertan is somebody that, you know, he's a key cog for Alabama. He really is. He, he's, he's the guy on the outside that can take on number ones. I think he could trail number ones. I, I think his, he's very tough coming underneath. I think he has enough speed and length to come, to run with receivers down the field and play the ball over the top. And I think you're going to see teams really, really like him in the interview process where uh, he, he will be prioritized quite highly. I just think the idea of having Patrick Sertan or Asante Samuel have to root for the Jets is kind of hilarious. So I sort of want to see one of those guys on the Jets just for that reason. But last order of business, Connor, before we get to this weekend's matchups, I wanted to ask you about the article that you wrote over at Badlands. And for anybody who hasn't subscribed there yet to the Patreon, here's a perfectly good reason to do it. In addition to the other great content, Connor wrote a fantastic article about why the Jets should make Matt Campbell of Iowa State their number one priority in the coaching search. And by the way, I agree with you. I think you and I pretty much see eye to eye on this coaching search. I want somebody who's proven that he can be a program builder, been a successful head coach. And as we've joked before, not just a head coach because Adam Gase was a head coach, Rich Kotite was a head coach. You want somebody who's been a good head coach. And I think we both like Todd Monken a lot. I think Monken has proven from what he did at Southern Miss, building that zero win team into a nine win conference champion in three years and sending a dozen players to the NFL. And then, of course, we saw what he did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we know that he is excellent, not only at running an offense, but also building a program. I think Matt Campbell has showed that now building Toledo, now building Iowa State. Pat Fitzgerald, another guy who's done a fantastic job at Northwestern the last 15 years. And it's funny, Connor, because he's only 45. He's been there so long that people forget that. But that's a name that's been linked to the Jets now. I don't know how realistic it is because I don't know that Fitzgerald wants to leave Chicago. But according to Nick Spano of U Stadium, who was on the show yesterday, the Jets have very real interest there. So at the very least, it looks like they're going to reach out. So it seems like they're going to be reaching into the college ranks and casting a wide net, but they're very aware of the program builder, leader, successful head coach model that you and I seem to prefer. Tell me about your Campbell article, go through the case for Campbell, and then talk to me a little bit about some of the other guys I just mentioned and a few others that you think would fit the mold of what you and I are looking for here and what we think the Jets should be looking for. Yeah, well, I think when you start, number one, of what they're looking for, they need somebody to come in, Scott, and, and be a CEO of this franchise. Somebody that sets the tone and says, this is the kind of players we want, these are the expectations, and this is the kind of preparation that we have week in and week out to win and, most importantly, compete. You know, I guess I should flip those, but to compete and, most importantly, win games in the National Football League. And, and I think that... When you look at it, it's not easy to find that guy. Now, what is easy to do, in my opinion, is to cross off bad ideas. Adam Gase was a bad idea. He was a failed coach. He failed right in front of your eyes in the division. It was a tough – my argument with Adam Gase always was whether the people in that room that hired him believed in his ability to change or not. It was not a hire that you could sell to the New York Jets fans, in my opinion. And they were right. Let's just call it what it is. They were all right because most of, all, most of them did not want Adam Gase. So, and Adam Gase struggled with the following things in Miami. Number one, uh, accountability. Number two, player relationships. Number three, this coaching staff. You have to have a really good staff in the NFL to succeed because – 
one man cannot prepare 53 or 46, you know, week in, week out. Your position coaches matter just as much as you. And you set the tone for how those guys operate. So that was an issue as well. Personnel, he was terrible. He was terrible at evaluating and, and players he wanted from drafts, players he played, players he sat. Development, player development doesn't exist under Adam Gates. Those are pretty obvious things, but they needed to be pointed out. The Jets need to get somebody, and they haven't, they haven't had some of those things in a long time, right? Player relationships, I thought Rex was great at that. And I thought, for the most part, Todd Bowles was very well-liked. Todd Bowles struggled with staff issues and some player development. You know, the defensive backs, I thought he did a good job with, and that's what that's Todd's bread and butter. But offense, they never developed anyone on offense, it felt like. So they need somebody that, in my opinion, Scott, they don't need somebody that's going to come in and call the best plays in the NFL. Like, I understand everyone's fascination with that, right? You have a guy like Arthur Smith, and I'm not writing these guys off. I like some of these guys I'm about to name, but I'm explaining why it's not just all in on Brian Dable, you know, Greg Roman, um, you know, and those things are good to have good play callers, but it's not everything. It's really not everything. It's not even the, it's not even in the top two most important things. And you look at Matt Campbell from Iowa state and where does he succeed? One building an infrastructure that is sustainable. And what I mean by that is, you know, he's, he says, we don't get five-star players. We get, we have a five-star culture and they can take a player and get the best out of him and maybe a little bit more. And they can win year after year. They don't have these years where they bottom out and they have to blow it up because it's a system where, you know, they have a defense that's well coached. They have a team that is one of the least penalized units in college football year after year. They, you know, they put guys in positions to succeed, which is something that for whatever reason, the Jets just struggle with so much over and over again, where, you know, once again, like why is, you know, why did it take so long to get LaMichael Pirine getting the bulk of carries? Why are you running a 37-year-old running back into the ground? Why is Le'Veon Bell a complete non-factor? two years so you know all these things where you you have to be on the same page with the gm right because the personnel moves you make need to go hand in hand with what the coach wants to do now matt campbell's a guy that coached offensive lines for about six to seven years before getting a head coaching job at toledo a program that he had at you know coached to 35 and 15 record the years he was there he had them in the top 25 on the ap poll before and he brought some of that staff over with him to Iowa State. So there is sustainability here. There is a record of success here. And he took that Iowa State program. And, you know, now you see them beating Texas in back-to-back years. You see them, they're kind of the team in the Big 12 that people don't want to run into. They can recruit some better players now, but they're still taking three-star players and developing them into really good college football players. So I look at it, I think, one, players will run through a brick wall for the guy. Two, I think they're very disciplined, very, very disciplined. And I don't think the Jets have been disciplined since the Eric Mangini years. I mean, the penalties under Todd Bowles and Rex Ryan and, I mean, Adam Adam Gase isn't even worth talking about because he's bad at every – he's abysmal at every aspect of coaching and preparation and personnel and player relations and people relations and media relations. It's just – it goes on and on. So – You don't have to check every box, but you need somebody that can do a lot of those things. You know, and that's why I was a fan of Matt Rule at the time. I think he does a lot of those things very well. Uh, I know you and I really like Todd Munkin. I know for a fact Todd Munkin is very well liked wherever he goes, while also being very detailed, preparing on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, they need a CEO. And I know he didn't want to come to New York last time. He didn't want to interview but money talks, and Joe Douglas has a better plan. I think if they get Trevor Lawrence or the number one pick secures that they get Trevor Lawrence, it makes it a little bit more enticing of a job. I think that if it's not Matt Campbell, you got to find somebody that kind of personifies, you know, the things he values, and and they really, really got to make a strong effort to try to get someone like him. 
Absolutely. And the thing about Campbell and Fitzgerald is it's not like we're talking about Dabo Swinney, who has a 10 year, $93 million contract at Clemson. So there's just no way you're getting him because you can't even top what Clemson's paying him. Campbell and Fitzgerald are making just north of $3 million. So if you're Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas pushes you to get one of these guys and you really want one of them, you could say, listen, you saw what Matt Rule got. We'll top that and we'll triple your salary. You'll have four generations of people in your family that will never have to worry about money. They may still tell you no, but make it as difficult as possible if that's somebody that you want. And I think we both agree those two would be excellent candidates. Then Campbell is probably my number one candidate. I have it as like a 1A, 1B, depending on how I'm feeling that day between Campbell and Monken. I flip them depending on what I'm watching at that moment. If I'm watching the Georgia offense kick butt, I might have Monken at 1A. If I'm watching Iowa State and Texas, I might have it 1A for Campbell. But either way, I would love either one of them. I think Fitzgerald would be fantastic too. But that's the direction we agree that they need to go in, and I hope that that's what they do. And I do think that the intel that we're starting to hear that they're very much going to consider going the college route is very positive. Whether or not they actually do it is another story, but the fact that it seems like they're very aware that college coaches need to be in the mix is something I'm excited about, and I hope that they follow through on that. Connor, before we run last order of business, let's talk about the upcoming matchups this weekend. Who should Jets fans be looking out for? Which players and which games should they be paying particularly close attention to? Well, I think the obvious one, Scott, is we want to see Justin Fields really bounce back and, and kind of pummel Michigan State, right? I think that's one, you know, that and it's hard to even keep up with what games will be played and what won't anymore. But I think that's one that's on the radar that you go, okay, let's let's, you know, see Justin Fields get back to being Justin Fields. You know, you have Texas A&M and Auburn. I talked about Seth Williams earlier, the Auburn receiver. They also have Anthony Schwartz, maybe the fastest man in college football or the fastest man that'll be in the draft. So two wide receivers for Auburn that are most definitely uh, worth watching against the number five team in the country, Texas A&M. That's kind of a a sneaky one that a lot of people uh, don't realize here. So you got Florida and Tennessee, which is a pretty seamless one for Jets fans because, you know, Trey Smith, the guard on Tennessee is a first-round player. Florida, you'll get to see Trask play quarterback. You'll get to see, uh, you know, Brenton Cox, the pass rusher. You get to see Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony. So a lot to watch there as well, you know. So, and then hey, if you if you want to watch who is hopefully the future head coach of the New York Jets, now I'm not getting my hopes up, but I can live in fantasy land in the month of December because that's what it's for, right? Christmas, uh, fantasy land. Matt Campbell will coach against West Virginia at 3.30 on Saturday, and I think Iowa State is going to bulldoze West Virginia. I know the spread's only six and a half, but I think Iowa State's going to come out ready to play. So, you know, and if, if you want to watch, um, you know, Aziz Ojulari on Georgia, he's they're playing Vanderbilt at 4 o'clock. Vanderbilt's 0-8, so Ojulari will probably have four sacks. But, I mean, for real, there's a lot There's a lot of games to watch. Trevor Lawrence plays, Clem, uh, Trevor Lawrence plays Virginia Tech. Let's, you know, keep our fingers crossed that all these games happen. But, you know, there's a lot on. Alabama's going to play LSU in a, in a scheduling shuffle up. I think Terrace Marshall, the receiver on LSU, is somebody worth watching. So a lot of good matchups this week. Fingers crossed that these games happen. And uh, fingers crossed that when I talk to you in two weeks, I'll, I'll have plenty of more stock watch updates. We get closer to the big declaration period. Coming down the home stretch here with not only the NFL, but college football season. Don't look now, Connor, but we are rapidly approaching conference championships and bowls. This is going to be wild. And for Jets fans, as we wait to see where they end up drafting in the 2021 draft, there are going to be a lot of prospects that we're going to be paying particularly close attention to in terms of stock going up and stock going down. So I'm really glad that you can come on and do this with me so that we can keep people updated with who they need to be looking at and what they need to know. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report and the Badlands feed over on Patreon. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. For anybody that's not subscribed to Badlands yet, I don't know what you're waiting for if you needed a reason before the matt campbell article should be all the reason that you need go subscribe now not only can you get that matt campbell article but a ton of fantastic audio and written content soon video too right connor yeah i mean hoping to get some video streams off the ground video content 
Uh, it seems like the capabilities on Patreon are endless as these weeks go by. I found out more and more. So, listen, it's you know all my draft stuff is going to live there, and I think um, I think it's worth the three bucks a month. And you know I'm a biased opinion, but uh, absolutely, and a lot of interactions there too. It's like a community. So, you know we're we're excited about this off season and what it's going to blossom into. Join the Badlands community, and if you want a link to the Badlands Patreon, it's up both at Connor's page and Joe Caparosa's page, at Connor J. Rogers and at J. Caparoso on Twitter. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.